Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today at Liberty Online. I hope you're doing well out there. One quick announcement before we get into the message for today. Uh, starting next Sunday, March 14th, we'll be having two in-person services at the church each Sunday morning. We'll have a 9.30 service, which is going to be mask optional. And then we'll have a 10.30 service, uh, which will be mask preferred. At that 10.30 service, we'll be asking that you wear a mask at least until you get to your seat and sit down. Also at 10.30, we'll have child care available. Uh, we'll have <clears throat> two children's classes, a, a preschool and an elementary class, along with uh, the nursery will be open for uh, kids younger than the preschool class. So we're trying to get things going as the COVID numbers go down. Hopefully more people are feeling comfortable and, and safe to come back and start to meet together because it's it's good to be together. It's, it's good to be able to see each other in person and encourage each other a little bit. So uh, I want to encourage you as you begin to feel safe throughout the spring and, and maybe get your vaccine and uh, the numbers continue to go down to, to come and join us in person again. So again, that's two services starting March 14th, a 9.30 and a 10.30 a.m. service. Anyway, for today, we're continuing on in our study, our series, Transforming Faith. We're looking at different individuals or, or groups in the Bible and how their faith in Jesus transformed their life. And, and I actually believe today is the last day for this series. Pastor Doug's going to be moving on to something else next week. Uh, but last week, uh, if you tuned in, Pastor Doug talked about the early Christians, just all the early Christians as a group and, and how faith transformed that group and started this, this thing called the church and how now today that has spread throughout the entire world, that there, there's Christians all over the globe. A pretty awesome story of, of what God has done in our world throughout history. And today I just want to take one individual person from that group of, of early Christians. And it's someone that you might not know a ton about. Honestly, as, as I was studying for this this week, I, I learned a whole lot more about this person than I knew before. And even though we don't talk about Barnabas a lot, he was a huge figure and, and God used him to do a lot in the early church and in expanding the church throughout uh, the, the region at that time, throughout the, the Middle East and even towards Europe and just what God was doing to expand the gospel throughout the entire world. So Barnabas is a pretty cool character and we'll get to look at him and, and study about him this morning, see how he grew, uh, but also some of the struggles that he faced in, in his growth. And that's pretty important for us <clears throat> too, because Hopefully we're, we're growing in our faith and our walk with Christ, but there's going to be some things we struggle with. So let's dig in to Barnabas and into his story. And we first meet up with Barnabas in Acts chapter 4. And to give you the context here, if you remember from last week, uh, there was Pentecost. There, there was that day where the Holy Spirit came upon the, the disciples of Jesus 
And they just began to speak and began to proclaim the message of the gospel, the, the message of Jesus. And there were all these people in Jerusalem and all these people from all these different areas. And they heard the disciples speaking about Jesus and everybody heard them in their own language. The Holy Spirit worked this great miracle that everybody could hear the message in their own individual languages. And so because of that, many, many people came to faith in Jesus. And some of those people remained in Jerusalem, continued to live in Jerusalem. And, and those that continued to live there started to meet together on a regular basis, uh, started to form the beginnings of, of what we call now the church. And that's kind of where we tune in in, in Acts 4, looking at this group of believers in Jerusalem. Look at verse 32 of Acts 4. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what they sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So one of those new believers in this new church thing in Jerusalem was a guy by the name of Joseph. And it tells us there that he was a Levite, which uh, a Levite is a particular family group or, or clan uh, within the larger group of Jewish people. So Joseph was a Jew, uh, but he was also a native of Cyprus. Uh, if you don't know, Cyprus is a little island in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, it's kind of off the coast of modern day Turkey. But what's important for our story today is that Cyprus was predominantly a Gentile area. So Joseph is a Jewish guy, but he grew up predominantly in a Gentile area, a, a non-Jewish city. And that, that's important for us to keep in mind as, as we go a little further. But this guy, Joseph, he, he's in Jerusalem for whatever reason. He hears the gospel. He believes in Jesus and starts to, to follow Jesus and, and be uh, what would later be called a Christian. And because of this, because of this impact of Jesus in his life, he sells some property that he owns and he gives the proceeds of that to uh, the believers at Jerusalem and they, they give that to some of the people in need there. Along with that, he gets a new nickname. They start to call him Barnabas instead of Joseph and, and that's what we'll call him the rest of the time, Barnabas. But that name means son of encouragement. That Barnabas was that type of guy that Every time you talked to him, you just felt a little bit better about yourself and a little bit better about life. He, he just had a way of encouraging and uplifting people's spirits. And, and maybe some of that had already existed in him before he became a Christian. But I'm sure becoming a Christian and, and the Holy Spirit and his relationship with Jesus brought that out in him even more. 
to the point where he gets this nickname, the son of encouragement. Just an encouraging guy, a guy that's passionate about Jesus. We see some individual change in his life here in Acts chapter 4. So now jump ahead with me to Acts chapter 9. And uh, I will warn you, we're going to jump through a bunch of passages today because Barnabas' story is uh, spread out through Acts and through some other parts uh, of the New Testament. And so we, we jump ahead to Acts chapter 9. And as we read this, there's another guy we need to understand a little bit of background about. And that's a guy by the name of Saul, who would later become Paul. So if today you hear me say Saul or Paul, uh, they're the same guy. Um, I might use those terms, those, those names interchangeably today, but I'm talking about the same person. Uh, but if you remember from last week, and, and actually if you remember even from a few weeks ago, Pastor Doug did uh, a whole lesson on Paul. Uh, but if you remember, Paul started out as Saul. He was a Jewish religious leader, and he had made it his life's mission to persecute and kill Christians. And he traveled all around the area, persecuting and killing Christians, until one day on his way to Damascus, Jesus comes and Jesus meets him face to face and Jesus completely changes Saul's life. And Saul becomes a Christian, becomes a follower of Jesus. And, and rather than persecuting Christians, he starts to, to preach the gospel. He starts to tell people about Jesus and, and convert people to be followers of Jesus. And up until Acts chapter 9, Paul's mainly been doing this in the city of Damascus. But now in Acts chapter 9, he's, he's headed to Jerusalem and he, he wants to meet uh, the church in Jerusalem and, and especially the church leaders in Jerusalem. But look what happens. Verse 26 of Acts chapter 9. And when he had come to Jerusalem, Saul attempted to join the disciples and they were all afraid of him for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So Saul went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And so Saul shows up at this church in Jerusalem, kind of knocks on the door, says, Hey, it's Saul. Uh, I'm a Christian now. Can I come talk to you guys? And of course they don't really believe him. They're like, uh, yeah, you're the dude that's been killing our friends. We're not going to let you in. Even though you say you're a Christian now, uh, we're not sure we believe you. Until Barnabas steps up. And Barnabas uh, apparently maybe had some other interactions with Saul before this point. But Barnabas steps up and says to the group, hey guys, relax. Saul's good. Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Saul is changed. He's now been preaching the gospel in Damascus. People have been coming to know Jesus in Damascus. God has done something awesome in this guy's life. And because Barnabas steps up and vouches for Saul, they welcome Saul in. And it says Saul goes in and out amongst them. He's now part of their group and can come and go freely amongst their group. It's all because Barnabas vouched for him. And that shows us again how much a, a man of encouragement Barnabas was, believing 
Paul, believing in his potential, believing in what God had done in his life and what God could do in Saul's life going forward. But the other thing I want us to see there is that Barnabas had grown to some level of respect in the church. That him vouching for Saul was good enough for the rest of the people in the church to say, okay, we're going to welcome Saul in. That Barnabas wasn't just some guy that kind of showed up for services and sat in the back and didn't really interact much. He had become a, a integral part of that church in Jerusalem, a respected member of their group. And so he's grown from a new believer to this respected member of the church in Jerusalem. And we continue on with this story. Jump to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, and we'll start reading at verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And so, again, if you remember from last week, there was a lot of persecution in Jerusalem, and so these Believers, this church that started in Jerusalem because of the persecution, people started to spread out. Believers started to move to other cities and towns. And when they went to those other cities and towns, they began to tell people in those other towns about Jesus. And people in those other towns started to believe the message about Jesus and become followers of Jesus. And one of those cities that somebody went to was Antioch. And God really started to work and started to do some amazing stuff in Antioch. And, and a bunch of people were coming to faith in, in Antioch. And um, at the beginning, it's just Jewish people. But it says there's some people then went and, and spoke to the Hellenists. And, and the Hellenists are just uh, generally Greek people. Uh, so Gentiles, non-Christian people. Some people thought it was a good idea. Let's not just tell the Jews about Jesus, but let's actually go and tell some Gentiles about Jesus as well. And so all these Gentiles start to be saved and start to become Christians. And so this crazy thing is happening in Antioch. You have these Jewish Christians and you have these Gentile Christians. And they actually start to, to blend together as one church here in Antioch. And that doesn't blow us away too much uh, in our world today. But in that day, in this day, that was a huge thing. Because at that time, Jews did not associate with Gentiles. Jews looked down on Gentiles. Jews were always separate from Gentiles. So it was a huge thing for these Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians to, to blend together and become one church here in Antioch. God was really doing something amazing. And so a report of this gets back to Jerusalem. 
And the leaders in Jerusalem, they're like, man, God is doing something in Antioch. Maybe we should send someone to help provide some leadership there. Someone that can give them some additional training in the teachings of, of Jesus. Someone who can maybe help them organize their church a little bit more. Continue to, to outreach to the community more. And so the leaders in Jerusalem pick Barnabas to go to Antioch. And it's pretty cool they picked Barnabas. He, I think, is especially suited for this. Because remember what we said back in Acts 4. He is Jewish, but he grew up in a predominantly Gentile area. So he has already some familiarity with this Jew and Gentile interaction stuff. So who better to try and start leading and organizing a a blended church uh, than this guy who has a lot of experience with it, Barnabas. The other thing I want us to see there, though, is how much Barnabas has grown in his faith and in his relationship with Jesus and uh, just his, his walk with the Lord. That he has gone in Acts 4 from a new believer making some individual changes to a respected member of the church, to now a leader in the church. Right? A guy they're sending to Antioch to be the leader of that church. Right? That's some awesome growth that we see in Barnabas. And it's pretty cool that we can pull those highlights from Barnabas's life, those markers, to really show that he's grown. And that kind of leads me to the first thing I, I want us to think about in our life today, how is our growth in our faith? How is our growth in our relationship with Jesus? If I knew the story of your life, could I pull out some markers like we just did in Barnabas's life and say, look at this thing and, and how they've grown. Look at this thing. Or could you pull out some markers that show that you're growing in your faith and in your relationship with Jesus? Right, if I knew your story, could I, I sit up here and could I tell it like I just told Barnabas's? Could I say, hey, hey, let me tell you about Ted. And Ted's just a name I'm, I'm pulling out of the air. If your name's Ted or if you know a Ted, I'm, I'm not specifically talking about you. Right, Ted's just a, a random name for the sake of this illustration. But uh, could I sit up here and say, let me tell you about Ted. Uh, a few years ago, or a number of years ago, Ted became a, a Christian. He, he heard about Jesus, and, and he believed, and put his faith in Jesus, and started to follow Jesus. And at that moment, Ted stopped getting drunk on the weekends, and started loving his wife and his kids better. And then a, a few years after that, Ted was uh, attending church regularly. He was an active member of a small group. He was going out from time to time, and helping with service projects in the community. And then a, a few years after that, Ted became a, a small group leader at the church and was actually leading some of the outreaches, getting men together to go and do projects in the community. And then a number of years after that, Ted became an elder at the church. Again, I'm just make, totally making up a guy here, but you get the idea. Could we do that with your life? Could I do that with my life? 
pull out some highlights and say, man, look, look at what God has done in my life. Look at how God has changed me. And hopefully you can do that. If you can do that, man, I, I encourage you to think through that a little bit this week and, and praise God for those awesome highlights and things that he's done in your life. But if you can't do that, I, I really want to challenge you this week to think about maybe making some changes in what you're pursuing and how you're pursuing Jesus. If your story is, I became a Christian 20 years ago, I prayed a prayer to accept Christ, and uh, now I show up to church a couple times a month and sit quietly in the back, and that's about it. If that's your story, I'm not here this morning to question your salvation, but I do want to tell you, you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life. You're missing out on the amazing things that God wants to do in you and through you and, and the amazing thing God wants you to be a part of in his story. Barnabas is a guy who sought God and let God work in his life. And even though he's not maybe one of the, the big name guys of the New Testament of the Bible, God used him all over the place in the book of Acts, all over the place and what he was doing to establish and grow and spread the church. Man, we have the opportunity in our lives to be a part of this amazing story God is writing in, in Johnstown, in Pennsylvania, in, in our world. But we have to take those steps of growth to do that. And I, I want to be clear, your, your growth might not look exactly like Barnabas's. I'm not saying there's step one, two, three, four. All our growth and all our faith journeys look differently. But if we're growing, then we should be able to pull out some highlights of some awesome things God has, has done in our life. And so we see Barnabas is a guy who's grown. He's, he's become a leader in the church of Antioch. But the thing about growth is growth does not occur without struggle. And Barnabas faces some struggles. Barnabas isn't a perfect guy. He has some times that he makes mistakes and messes up. And uh, I want to point out one of those in particular because I, I think it's something our world and the American church is really struggling with right now. And so turn to Galatians chapter 11. Galatians chapter 11. And Paul is writing here. And Paul is recounting a time back when he and Barnabas were leaders in Antioch. Uh, I kind of forgot to mention there. After Barnabas became uh, one of the leaders in Antioch, shortly after that he went and he found Paul and he brought Paul to Antioch and Barnabas and Paul were like co-leaders of the church of Antioch for a while. So Paul's recounting a story of something that happened while he and Barnabas were leaders at the church in Antioch. Look at Galatians 2 verse 11. But when Cephas, uh, and Cephas is the same as Peter, the disciple of Jesus, early church leader, Peter. Uh, so Cephas or Peter came to Antioch. I opposed him to his face because he stood for condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, 
so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So we already kind of laid out the scenario a little bit in Antioch, that there were Jewish Christians and there were Gentile Christians, and they had blended together pretty well in this church in Antioch, but traditionally Jews did not associate with Gentiles. And so there was this group of really traditional Jewish Christians that came into Antioch at one point. And when this group of Jewish traditionalists came to Antioch, they started really pushing this idea that to be a Christian, or at least to, to be a good Christian, you must first be Jewish. And you must take on Jewish traditions. Uh, one of the big ones is circumcision for males. So you must be circumcised, you, you must do other traditional Jewish things in order to be a Christian, or, or at least to be a, a good Christian. And they kept pushing this idea, and they're, they're pushing this idea so hard that even Peter and even Barnabas, the son of encouragement, start to withdraw from the Gentile Christians at this church. And this group, this tribe starts to separate off that these Jewish Christians start to disassociate with these Gentile Christians. And it's all based on whether or not you follow Jewish traditions and Jewish practices or not. Which God had made it very clear in the early church to these early church leaders that circumcision was not a requirement to be Christian. The following Jewish tradition was not a requirement to be a Christian. That if you were Jewish and you became a Christian and you wanted to continue to follow Jewish tradition, well, then that, that's cool. Go ahead and continue to, to follow Jewish tradition. If you were a Gentile and you became a Christian and you, you wanted to be circumcised and follow Jewish tradition, that's perfectly fine as well. You can follow Jewish tradition. But if you were a Gentile, and you didn't really want anything to do with Jewish, Jewish tradition, that's not your culture, that's not your background, then that's fine as well. You, you don't have to take on Jewish tradition to be a Christian. And God had made that pretty clear, that this is a matter of preference, this is a matter of opinion. And I, I want to point out real quick something that uh, I've definitely mentioned before in previous sermons, that there are things in the Bible that God says are, are black and white. That God very clearly says that there are things you must believe to be a Christian. The Bible says very clearly that there are things that are morally right and wrong, black and white, that, that some things are clearly wrong and other things are, are clearly what we should do. Right. So there are, there are absolutes there. There are defining things of what makes a Christian and, and what doesn't make a Christian. But there's also a lot of things in our world that we encounter that are preferential things, that are a matter of opinion, and then the Bible gives us freedom. One of the big things at this time that we just read was circumcision and following Jewish tradition. It was a matter of preference if you wanted to do that or not. 
A big example of this today is what type of worship music you like. Right? The Bible says we, we need to, to worship God and, and we need to do that with uh, biblically based content. But the style of music is totally our preference. If you like hymns, that's great. If you want to worship God with rap songs, as, as long as the content is biblical, that's great as well. It's, it's totally a matter of preference. And so we have these preferential things. But at this time in Galatians 2 here, Paul is recounting the story in Antioch that this group had taken this preferential thing and they had made it a, a big major thing. And they had formed this tribe. This group that said, we are better Christians. We are truer Christians than you guys over here. And we don't want anything to do with you guys. And we're looking down on that group over there. And here's the thing. Here's why why I bring this up. Because that's not just an issue in the church at that time. This is an issue we face in the American church today, uh, not over circumcision. I don't hear anybody arguing over circumcision today. But we pick other things that are preferential things, opinion-based things. right? Maybe some of our political preferences. Lately, some of our views on COVID, and especially on COVID restrictions and guidelines. We take those things that the Bible doesn't clearly say one way or the other. The Bible gives us some freedom and we take our opinion and we form our tribe and our group and we say, we are the right tribe. We are the right group. We are better Christians than you over there. And we create division and dissension based on opinion and preference. Now, that's not to say that sometimes, like I said earlier, there are things that are clearly black and white in Scripture And when things are clearly black and white in Scripture, we do need to stand up and say, we can't have that thing in the church. There is something God says is wrong and right here. But when it's a matter of preference, when it's a matter of opinion, we can't get caught up in tribalism. It's a danger. Even Barnabas, even the son of encouragement, even... This guy who has grown immensely and become a leader in the church still gets caught up in the rhetoric, gets caught up in just this pool of being part of this group and and being part of this group that's more elite than this other group. And it's a danger for us today as well. I mean, I'll admit that I get pulled into it myself sometimes especially with the COVID stuff, especially with the political climate over the last year. I I can get fired up about my opinions and and my positions and be like, this is the right, this is the godly position. When really, a, a lot of those things we get fired up with are more just our political opinion than something that the Bible clearly says. And so Barnabas needed to be confronted on that. And Paul confronts him, and and thankfully Barnabas grows up from that. And Barnabas learns, and Barnabas moves on from that. And some of us, myself included, we at times, we need to grow up from that. 
We need to have clear vision to see at times this, this thing that we're fighting over, this thing that's causing division, it's, it's just our preference. It's just our opinion. It's, it's not necessarily biblically black and white. And so we need some grace for those who see it differently. We need to strive for unity with them, even though they, they maybe see things or do things a little bit differently than we do. And so I want to really challenge you with that tonight. Like Barnabas was challenged, don't get caught up in tribalism. If someone puts their faith and trust in Christ as their Savior, then they are united with us as Christians. If someone holds to the values that the Bible clearly puts forth, then they're Christians, and we need to be in partnership with them. And when there's differences of preference and opinion, we, we need to be willing to work through those things and show grace and, and fight for unity in that. And thankfully, Barnabas was able to do that. If you go on to Acts 13, Barnabas, after being at Antioch for a while, uh, that church really grows and some leaders develop in Antioch and there becomes this point where the church in Antioch says, man, we need to send out some people from our church to, to go and do some things for God and serve God and, and see happen in other cities what happened here in Antioch. And so the church in Antioch sends out Paul and Barnabas and, and they go and share the gospel in a bunch of other cities in the region. A bunch of Gentile cities and, and Barnabas is able to reach a, a bunch of Gentiles for the gospel because he, he listened to Paul's confrontation about this issue of tribalism. He, he grew up past that, got over his preference and was able to reach out to some other people and see a lot of different people from a lot of differing backgrounds, probably with some differing preferences and opinions come to know Jesus. And so again, I, I want to challenge you today. How are you growing in your faith? How is that going? Are, are there some highlights from your, your faith walk that you can look to and, and benchmarks and milestones that you can see and go back and praise God for them for what he's done in your life? Do you maybe need to step up your game and start building some of those those milestones and highlights in your life? Start allowing God to work a little bit more and grow you a little bit more? What about specifically in the area of, of tribalism and unity and disunity? Do we sometimes need to let go of some of our, our preferences that we can hold on to so tightly and show some grace and some unity to others? To work alongside of them to really do what God is doing. Right? We have an awesome opportunity to be a part of what God's doing in our world and in our city and in our, our region. And God, God is doing some awesome things. But we got to be seeking our own personal growth so that God can use us to do some other stuff. We have to be showing grace and kindness to others so God can be using us 
to impact lives of others. Let me pray for us today. Lord God, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Barnabas and his story and his example, Lord God. Just the example of how you can change and how you can grow a life, Lord God. And Father, I just pray that we could all have some milestones, some highlights in our life that we could look back on and that we could praise you for. Lord, I pray specifically for the area of unity, Lord God that we would fight the tribalism that divides us based on our preferences and opinions and just center uh, our hearts and our minds on on Jesus and, and on what you clearly teach us and unite around those things and continue to build mission and ministry around the gospel and around the things that the Bible clearly teaches, Lord. Help us to show grace and kindness to others. Father, we just pray all this. In Jesus' holy name, amen.